and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We are here in early September. We took a short couple of weeks off for Labor Day weekend, and we are back, and we have a lot of liberty to spill this week. Um, Some true crime type stuff, some not true crime type stuff. The current situation with Britney Spears actually yeah, seems we've got a like lot going on. So much. Things are really developing, and um, it sounds like Jamie Spears has finally agreed to step down as the conservator of Britney's estate. Now, something feels a little slimy here because, as you know, Jamie is not one to go down without a fight. I was going to say, it seems a little too easy and good to be true. Right? Like, too good, too soon. So we'll see how that all plays out. But. Another thing that is happening right now is that a young woman, I believe she was 22 years old, she's on a cross-country trip with her fiancé. Her last name's Petito, and she is out there going across the country with her fiancé, goes missing. Yeah, this, if you haven't seen it, I don't know where you've been, but this has been all over the news, and this story is very concerning, very... I don't know. I've, I've been following it, and a lot of info has just come out in this last week. The boyfriend-fiancé isn't speaking. He's lawyered up, which I think a lot of people have given a lot of flack to him for, like, I, I get it. He's, you know, exercising his constitutional right, but, um, you know, nobody knows where she was last seen, when she was last seen exactly, and her poor parents are just out there begging Literally. For any info. Yeah, they just had a letter read out loud wherein they begged the Laundries, which is the name of the fiance, Brian Laundry. They just were begging and begging the Laundries, you know, beseeching them, what would you do if it was your daughter? This is, you know, this is the person who your son was going to marry. This is somebody who was going to be your family member. Please give us any information. We know you know something. Why aren't you telling us? And it's just so, so sad. And it really feels like all signs are pointing to Brian at this point because Mm -hmm. they were alone together. They were out there in the middle of the country doing God knows what. And they, nobody knew what their whereabouts were really. I mean, they did document their whereabouts on social media. They kind of, you know, showed where they were going, took pics and everything like that. But whew, all of a sudden. Well, and I, I think, you know, I don't want to jump to the conclusion that he necessarily did something to her. But I, I, he obviously knows more than he's saying. I think it could also be the situation where they got into an argument and he left her somewhere and something bad happened or you know there's there's multiple possibilities as far as what could have actually happened um you know and it's just a sad and scary situation to think you know is she out there somewhere you hope for the best that she is but i don't know it just i feel for her parents yeah it does not sound good no and just tonight it sounds like as of tonight, the whereabouts of Brian Laundry are not known anymore. I, I saw that, actually. I saw yesterday people were commenting that his family's house, they had a lot of um, neighbors and media protesting and, you know, shining lights into their house, whatever. Right. His house was dark last night. Wow. And people were speculating that, like, they had gotten him out. Like, he probably hasn't been there for, you know, Decades, since yeah. getting back. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, yeah, and the FBI is there now, it sounds like, taking property out and trying to look for Brian. 
And now, you know, we're searching for both of them, it sounds Wait, like. Wait, so they're saying they don't know where he is either? No, nobody knows where this guy is, including his lawyer. Whoa. Everybody's turning down, you know, additional questions. And the officers got rid of the protesters. They got mm-hmm. rid of the media. But they stayed huddled up outside. And it's really interesting. I mean, it, these protesters were out there on the lawn chanting things like we want answers and dirty laundry which obviously Uh, oh god yeah yeah if you got a name like that come on come on now but it sounds (laughs) like dirty laundry air your dirty laundry but it sounds like the cops are just in and out of this house now they're taking stuff with them they're taking evidence envelopes they're taking bags of stuff it's really clear that they're just zeroing in on the laundry family. So I'm that's really surprising and like a new development there because in one of the press conferences, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, somebody asked about like do you know where he is? Where is he? Mm-hmm. And um whoever the officer was that was up there at the podium said, "Yes, we know. We know where he is. We're not going to, you know, expand on that." But it sounds like now they don't know where he is. So I wonder if they even knew where he was when they were saying that. You know? Right. Like, well, and my question, too, is did Laundry ever respond with any kind of alibi or any just anything as to what would have happened to Gabby and why she would have gone missing? I mean, it sounds like he just was sort of silent from the beginning, which doesn't make him look good. No, it. Do- I mean, the, the most that we know is that I think believe and I don't know if it's from her parents or you know something that somebody initially said or saw when they when this first came about Um, I think the most we know is kind of his timeline kind of when he said he left Wyoming and got back to Florida kind of have an idea of that timeline we we know from Gabby's parents the last time that her father and mother separately spoke with her and FaceTimed her but He's not providing any info. I know they searched the van, collected some stuff from the van, which, by the way, is her van. Weird. So, you know, that adds an, another layer there. Him driving that back without her yeah, questionable stuff. looks bizarre. It's not It's not a good look. No, but no. we'll obviously be following up as we get more news because it's a developing story right now. It's all over TikTok. Everybody is chomping at the bit to get more information about this because – it's shocking it's weird i mean this was a young 22 year old couple and they're just out having the time of their lives cross-country road trip and here's what happens so yeah it'll be interesting to see what what happens here yeah you just have to hope for the best but i don't know it's not looking great because somebody young like that if she could get to a phone or get to the police or something she would exactly that's a good point yeah So anyway, speaking of mysterious disappearances, mysterious murders, today's topic is a really weird one because I think what's so shocking about this particular topic is that this woman was murdered super brutally Mm -hmm. and her assailant potentially was caught on video. I think that's the big thing. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And not only that, but there were a couple cars caught on video outside mm-hmm. of the place of her death. But it's still an open case. Yeah. And it's just so weird because 
I think everybody in the town where this took place thought, okay, this is such a brutal murder. This is somebody who everyone loves. It's a person who lights up a room. Oh, yes. I mean, AKA, Mm -hmm. she was destined to die. She was destined to die. Classic (laughs) rules of the road here in true crime. And she just... You know, they never were able to figure out yeah. who did this to her. And with the video footage, you'd think that somebody would recognize something. Right. You know, with the person that they'd be able to connect the dots and find them. But nope. nope. No such luck. Um, so, of course, today's topic is Missy Beavers from Texas. And Missy is the really, you know, sweet, bubbly, fun um, fitness instructor who works for gladiator boot camp camp gladiator camp gladiator she's a 45 year old mother of three and she was really into helping people you know improve their health she was super big into these classes and training and really dedicated you know her life to um you know running these these boot camp classes she was getting up in this example she was you know, there at like what four in the morning, three, yeah, four in the morning, some ungodly time, like super early. So she was, she was all about it. Yeah. So she taught these fitness classes that basically these different fitness instructors worked as independent contractors for the gladiator entity, and so they would hold their trainings at any old church fields, athletic um, clubs, wherever they could really find that would host them. And that's exactly what Missy did. She hosted her club, her, you know, training at the Midlothian Creekside Church of Christ. And so every day that she had training, she would wake up at this ungodly hour, whip her way out to church and would, you know, be up and ready to go as soon as her students were out there. And she was into it, which is proven by the fact that the night that she passed or the morning that she passed, it was going to be a very rainy day. And she had posted on her social media, even if it's raining, we're still training. Yeah. So she obviously was really into this Camp Gladiator she loved her students. The students loved her. They all looked so forward to training with her. I think it's important for us to say that Midlothian is a really small town. Yeah. And the church, the Creekside Church, is a tiny church. This is not a huge no, monster. No, not one of those mega churches or Yeah, anything. it's not a mega church by any stretch of the imagination. Not something that would have crazy equipment or huge donation Um collections yeah the, the, trays that are overflowing this is a tiny tiny town yeah about twenty thousand people so you're a, another true true crime you know classic trope of small town everybody knows everybody yeah so when murder <laughs> happens <laughs> somebody did it yeah. and y'all know them yeah um but yeah it was a teeny tiny town and Really, I I think a murder hadn't happened in Midlothian for seven years prior to this incident. So it was really rare that there was any kind of foul play, any kind of crime in that little town. That was much more common in kind of the big Dallas, you know, type cities. Missy arrived at Creekside Church at 4.16 a.m., so super early there. She pulled into the church's parking lot and... Like you said, being a smaller church, smaller community, there are 
cameras there, but there's not a ton. And from what we know, at least now, there don't seem to be cameras outside. Or, yeah. or they were broken, they were not working that night. Or the police are withholding sure. that footage too. We just you know don't have that or don't know about it. So at 4.20 in the morning, she enters the church for the first time. We don't have this uh, footage of her. The footage that we have starts prior to her coming in but it doesn't continue on to her actually entering the church yet what's interesting about the footage that we have which we'll get to later is that it doesn't have missy in it and we don't know if it's because the police are withholding the footage that has missy in it if it's because missy just managed to skirt the cameras she didn't she went a different route than through the ways that the cameras would have been or if there's some other reason that we don't have film of her. We have somebody else, which we'll get to, on camera. But Missy is not visualized in any of the footage that was taken inside the church. So her, her class was supposed to start at 5. And the first Camp Gladiator student actually arrived there at 4.35 a.m. They sat in their, in their car um, outside of the church, just in the parking lot, kind of waiting But then at 5 a.m., they actually came in and saw Missy was, you know, bleeding and essentially, uh, I don't know if she was considered dead on arrival, dead on the scene, but she was in a bad way. Not breathing noticeably. Yeah, she was not doing well, had a head injury, multiple puncture wounds to the chest, and um, 911 was called, emergency services arrived very quickly But unfortunately, you know, she didn't make it. Yeah. So um, if we roll it back to the video footage. So Missy is found. We have no idea who could have done this to her. What could have happened? So, of course, what do we do? We consult the video footage from inside the church since the outside cameras either weren't working or, like you said, the cops are withholding the information. So when we look at the camera footage from inside the church what's really interesting is around 3 50 a.m there's a suspect that's seen on the church surveillance cameras after breaking into the church and we know that this was a breaking and entering type of um entry into the church because via crowbar i think yeah um wherein somebody had forced the doors of the church open and um, from 3.50 to 4.20 a.m., we see the suspect on camera. He's going from room to room. He has a hammer or tools in his hands, and he's spending several minutes in the kitchen. And what's really interesting about this footage is the man or the person. I know. I was going to say we're going to say he, but just keep Keep an open mind, too, about, you know, it could be a man or a woman in this situation. Or a non-binary criminal. So the non-binary criminal is going from room to room with what appears to be a police-like SWAT team outfit. Yeah, tactical kind of gear going on. Yeah, big heavy jacket, big heavy pants, and it looks like he's sort of, he or she, he or she or they, is looking into each room, almost clearing it to see that nothing's in there yeah. or that the thing um, they're looking for is not in there, and then departing the room and moving on. kind of on. moving on, yeah. Yeah. 
And there's no urgency to the search. No. That's what's interesting. He's just mm-hmm. sort of meandering from room to room, peeking in, kind of looking around, and then moving on. Yeah, there's no kind of, you know, yes, they're looking into the rooms, but they're not even really going into the rooms and poking around through stuff, it doesn't seem. It doesn't seem like they're necessarily looking for something in particular. They're just kind of taking their time. And one thing I want to point out, I don't know if it's the right point to point it out now, but um, there's been a lot of question as to whether or not this individual was familiar with the church before breaking and entering. You know, did were they aware of the cameras? Were they aware of not having a security system? And the one thing that I thought was really interesting kind of telling is there's one shot where the individual is going into I guess it's the nursery room Mm -hmm. and it's a Dutch door one of the doors that opens on the top and the bottom separately and the individual goes to turn the doorknob or whatever it is to open the door and seems to be surprised when only the bottom or only the top I forget which it is opens right and you'd think if they were familiar with this church they would have known that that's a really good point so and just the affect of the individual walking from room to room it's there's a real curiosity about the way that they are looking in and out of the rooms like they're sort of tilting their head they're kind of you know they're taking their time again moving slowly um as though this person doesn't really know their way around doesn't know where what they're looking for is going to be found yeah yeah that's a great great point but yeah what's interesting though so what we know about the assailant is that he was her they were between five two and five eight which for a man yeah would be very short Mm -hmm. or pretty short and what was really interesting too is that this individual's feet were predominantly pointing outward so they're kind of walking not duck walk almost. yeah duck walk and they walked with sort of a limp yeah, or like a, a lilt gait. yeah definitely a distinctive gait and um it's interesting on this this gait because so many people have looked to this and there's a couple theories on it one is that is this individual disabled? Obviously, that's the first, you know. Yes, it could be something to do with just this is their gait, you know, they could have had an injury. Another possibility is that the shoes were actually the wrong size, which I thought was an interesting possibility because you can definitely picture that. Like, picture yourself walking around, kind of flopping your feet around as you're walking in shoes that are too big. Very true. And there's the added point that this person's wearing SWAT gear, which is a big, heavy jacket, big, heavy pants. Nobody walks normally in that kind of gear. Even if you're used to wearing that kind of gear, you're gait is probably going to be thrown off. Just a little strange. Yeah, and you might even look like you have a little bit of a limp. So we kind of don't know for sure if the limp was a true limp, if the person was handicapped, or if there was something else going on. Yeah, and and that something else could be, this is going down a little bit more of like, people are really digging into it and stretching, but... There is one shot that you can kind of see where it's possible that this individual actually had a prosthetic leg. There is one shot you can see where the person's pant leg kind of rides up. Kind of like the way they, 
like the way they walk it's they have full length pants on but you almost it looks like like they have like a ball like a pole yeah yeah oh my god i'll have to find it but like i think the the footage is terrible and like not that great that yeah. it could easily be not that but it could explain their walk and why it they could. have this this kind of strained walk going on that's a really good point well what's interesting too so Another rule of the trade is that it's never a robbery gone wrong. Oh my God, right? thank you, yes. And of course, we have to bring this up here because everybody immediately thought, oh, well, maybe this person was trying to rob the church. Right. And maybe Missy walked in at the wrong time. She mm-hmm. saw something she shouldn't have seen and they whacked her for it. Right. Now, there's no way that this is the case because not only was everything still in place at the church after Missy's murder, but Missy herself was still wearing all of her jewelry after she was killed, including her wedding ring. Yeah. So clearly money, robbery, whatever, was not the motive here. Yeah, and I, I've given it a little bit of thought too because the thinking is in a situation like, let's take the camera out of it to begin with. If you're ever in a situation where, let's say, your house is broken into and you're in there, if the person comes in typically um, with a mask on, that typically means you're going to live because they don't want to want you to see your their face and be able to identify them. Wow. Good point. I mean, it's just something to think Suddenly about. Suddenly I'm less I worried know. about people coming to my house with a ski mask yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> like, if they don't care about you being able to identify them... There's then you're probably dead. a chance that that's because they're going to kill you or they're planning to kill you. Wow, interesting point. But, but yeah, since this person was wearing a yeah, helmet. And this is where it gets the camera, though, comes into it, where it's like, I, I feel like for me that kind of like neutralizes all of that because regardless of what they were doing, whether they wanted to kill Missy and they didn't care if she saw them, they'd still care if the camera saw them. Such a good point. So... It just, the camera throws a different thing into that where I don't think you can say it, you know, oh, it must have been a robbery gone wrong or whatever because they were wearing this. Like, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Right. And we just, that's such a good point that we just have to take a grain of salt with everything that this person was doing, with how they were walking, with how they were presenting themselves, because they were obviously, you know, well, not obviously, but... You know, to More some degree, they probably realized either there were cameras in the church or that a church would be a highly likely place to have security cameras. Yeah. And another point that I saw that I think was interesting is that this could have actually been a way for the individual to get closer to Missy if they were planning to attack her coming in because she's going to come in, she's going to be, you know, startled and scared seeing somebody, but they're going to be in police uniform. And if they're they're saying oh, there was a break-in, you know, blah, 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 it, they'll be able to get closer to her to attack her more easily without her freaking out because she'll kind of Trust think, the police. Yeah, she'll be like, oh, the police are here. It's the police, you know. Right, right. So even though there was no outdoor surveillance video taken at the church itself, there was a nearby sporting goods store that did have surveillance video rolling. And lucky enough, it had the correct angle to capture a couple of different cars. So sporting goods shop was pretty much within sight of the church. So this, um, their surveillance outside, I think was better than the surveillance in the church there. 
and around 2 a.m. it actually captured a light-colored uh, 2010 to 2012 Nissan Altima coming into the parking lot. It's called SWFA, and they pulled in for just about two minutes. And it's kind of a weird video because the individual pulls off of, and we're going to say it's a highway, but I almost think of it like the Asia case where it's like, it's a highway, but it's kind of... More of a main drag. Yeah, like it's out there in the middle of nowhere, kind of. There's not, it's not, you know, a six lane highway, you know, going super fast. Right, there's pull-offs still. Exactly, yeah. And so this car pulls in at 2 a.m. and immediately as they pull in, remember it's raining, they switch off their lights. And it's 2 a.m. So it's pitch black out there. And you think, okay, maybe this person was consulting their GPS. Right. Well, that's weird because the car shut off its lights and continued to kind of drive around the parking lot as though it was looking for something. Right. Even when the lights were off, which is not the best move. No. no. Um, So clearly this car didn't want to be seen, the person in this car. um, And they were turning off the lights right at the time they pulled into the church in order to remain hidden. Yeah, they so it, it's strange because like you said it's are they trying to hook up to the Wi-Fi at this place to you know they're lost or um is it I've seen out there possibly it's a drunk driver, you know, pulling off to kind of collect themselves. And it's weird because they kind of circle behind the building and it's speculated that they pull around, lights are still off, and they see uh, there's a couple cars parked behind this building. And as soon as they kind of pull around the building, they flick, like flick back on their lights for just a minute and then flick them off. And so Weird. there's a couple theories on like why that may have happened. One of them is that they saw these cars parked behind the building and thought, oh God, like I got to turn my lights on so I don't look suspicious. Are people in those cars? And then they realize they're not, so they flick them off. Another is whether or not this kind of flicking on and off of the lights is somehow a signal to somebody at the church with an eyesight. Sure. Yeah. And so it it is really weird. You don't get a good look at the driver and then they just kind of pull off and go on their way. And of course, the police had a real interest in finding the driver of this car because even if the driver didn't have to do with the murder itself... Obviously, they were in a position to see things, right. and it would be really interesting to hear what they had to say. Now, granted, I don't know how well they could have seen things in the dark With without their lights, their lights off on. And the rain. <laughs> exactly, in the pouring rain. But still, um, but unfortunately, even with the police putting out the the message that everybody should be on the lookout for these this car and this type of car, whatever nothing ever came to light in spite of getting a ton of other tips about the crime that was not one of them yeah i think actually um to this day or at least as of april of this year they actually have had somewhere over like three thousand tips called in some you know crazy amount and that's just the tips that are called in there's obviously other tips coming in other ways too so um but none of them led to this driver which is interesting yeah So there are a bunch of different theories on who could have done this to Missy. And of course, the police zeroed in on Missy's husband Mm -hmm. and his family at the time. 
And this is just a natural thing to do. They're kind of the first on the list. And even though nothing was suspicious about the family, um, of course, the police kind of narrowed things down. They subpoenaed the phone records between Missy and her husband. They found out that there were some strains in the marriage, that money was an issue, and the fact that there was a little bit of infidelity. We don't know on whose end, um, but we do know that those were some really you know, big strains that were going on in their relationship. Granted, Brandon did say they had a very happy marriage. They were on solid ground, but, you know, you just never know. And there's always going to be those things that come up in a marriage that interfere with everybody being totally happy. But it doesn't necessarily mean that Brandon did anything. Yeah. And yeah. in fact, he kind of, he's, his name has been cleared. Yeah, I, I've watched some of his interviews. And so at the time he was, I believe, um, on a trip that was like an annual family trip that happened where, again, in most cases, you know, you look at the husband or significant other first and just because they weren't there doesn't mean they weren't involved in the murder. But I get the feeling just personally after watching some of his interviews, I don't think he's involved. Um, Yeah. You know, and he's continued to kind of stick to his story. He's raising his three daughters and... Poor guy. Yeah, I just don't get the feeling that he has anything to do with it no no and in fact it sounds like he was kind of worried about missy working those crazy hours and being in the dark by herself in a building so because she actually had a licensed gun that was left in her car the morning that she was killed And now granted, this kind of goes to show that Missy wasn't that afraid to head into the church by herself because she left her loaded gun in the car. But still, I think Brandon clearly had indicated to Missy, like, listen, if you're going to do this job, if you're going to be in a building by yourself in the dark, you should really be protected. And being in Texas, Missy did so by having a gun on her. Yeah, yeah. The next suspect that probably made sense to look into, who was obviously related to Brandon, we kind of started the closest people and work our way out, so that would be his family. So his father in particular, a lot of uh, online sleuths kind of raised the red flag after an interview where Randy was speaking, because he definitely does kind of have a similar build to the person who's in the surveillance video, and he does have kind of a distinctive walk. But kind of to make himself even more suspicious, I don't know why he did this. Yeah, terrible timing. Uh, Yeah, like just throw the thing away. You'll know this will make sense. It's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Spare yourself the agony. Yeah, on the 22nd of April, so this is not long after the event occurred. I don't know if we mentioned this was – Missy um, was killed on the 18th, April 18th, so this is just a couple days later. He went to the dry cleaners in town with a woman's bloodstained shirt (laughs) asking for it to be cleaned. Great idea. Unless this is some family heirloom or worth a million dollars. Leave the shirt. Throw it away. Take my eyes, but not the shirt. (laughs) Okay, take the shirt, but not my dignity. Yeah, please. Literally. Like, why are you hanging on to the shirt? Why do you need to get it cleaned now, right after your daughter-in-law was murdered? Yeah, it's not a good look. Use use your common sense. Right. Think twice, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it, but obviously the police came confiscated it questioned him about it and he said that the blood came from breaking up a dog fight which sounds like a likely story but funny enough when it was analyzed 
it turns out the blood was canine blood and unfortunately it was from the family dog yeah. who was in a dog fight and th- his story was true they had tried to break up a dog fight and and he just had to have that shirt and they had to have the the shirt that the dog died in <laughs> yeah. i guess i don't get it but yeah and i think too it it just it seems like police have kind of come to the conclusion that it doesn't look like brandon or his family are involved in her murder no, not even close. And especially because Randy was in California when Missy was murdered. And it was looking like maybe Brandon and Randy both scheduled trips right. and were in cahoots with each other. You know, maybe were angry about the fact that there was some infidelity going on, if in fact it was on Missy's side. So maybe they created these trips as alibis for themselves, canceled them, came back and killed her. It's been confirmed since that the alibis totally checked out. So Randy nor Brandon were anywhere near the vicinity of Missy's murder at the time. So there's a a couple um, situations and people that Missy had been speaking with before this whole incident occurred that are suspicious. We obviously talked about the infidelity and... It can be kind of implied that Missy began speaking with an individual, we don't know the name, in January of 2016 on LinkedIn. And this conversation that continued was kind of described as flirtatious and familiar. And it continued right up until her death. So the thought there is, okay, could this individual be involved? Could the significant other of this individual be the one coming in murdering Missy for revenge. There's also an event that she attended literally right before uh, she was murdered. She was in Austin, it looks like, from the 14th, April 14th, through the 16th. And this is kind of a fitness event. She's down there meeting with people. She's also describing while she's there that she's getting some creepy LinkedIn messages. And this seems like it's separate from the individual that she had been having this ongoing conversation with and so that makes you suspicious you know where did that come from what's kind of going on there could that person be involved and then we also have to think you know with this event being in austin texas not that far could somebody have seen her there could something have happened there and could that person have been the one to kind of travel and be responsible for missy's murder right and so a, fee- a new lead ended up coming in after a bunch of different calls came in to the police department about a former police officer named Bobby Wayne Henry. Oh, there we go. There it is. Who police confirmed still had his police riot gear, mm. even though he said it no longer fit him. Okay. Um, join the club, buddy. <laughs> and Henry actually worked as a security guard from time to time even though he um, had a past sexual assault charge that actually was what got him removed from the police. Great. So that's awkward. It also is unfortunate for Henry that he walked with a limp. Mm -hmm. And he also was later arrested on charges of child pornography. Good. All around good guy. Right. But unfortunately, so stupid, he ends up getting cleared because police said he was definitely taller at his six-foot-tall stature 
than the perpetrator seen in the video, who, as we said earlier, was between 5'2 and 5'8. Mm-hmm. So he was basically totally eliminated and cleared. But, yeah. I mean, I just, I wish it was Bobby because he sounds oh. like such a creep. He's already in prison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy's already in trouble for child pornography, like the worst thing ever. So why not just, like, add this to the rap sheet? But yeah. unfortunately, it sounds like he's just, he's not it. Yeah. And so uh, the other kind of just more general possibilities of suspects are, could it have been one of her campers? You know, obviously they knew the schedule. They were familiar with Missy. Was there something going on there? Somebody upset about something and wanted to kill Missy. Another possibility is that her Facebook post, it was public. And, you know, she posted where this event was going to be happening because it was raining they were going to be inside at at the church and so it really opens up the door to opportunists yeah you know it could have been anybody who saw that post shows up you know and could have been the perpetrator so true Ugh, I just I'm still mad that it's not Henry because he literally guys get this he worked Missy's funeral as security attended mass at Creekside Church of Christ so he was familiar with the church mm-hmm. and <laughs> he walked with a limp like come on guys I know and in just because he's too tall like, he got ruled out who do you think did it I really don't know this this is one that I think it's a stumper is, is and it, I think this is one one of the ones on my list that I would love to see solved because it's so weird and there's been no clear kind of path or, or clear suspect it just it really baffles me and i i think the way that i've seen somebody describe how to approach cases like this where it's been years and whatever path they're going down isn't working yeah is that it's probably none of the above is it's right. probably totally outside of everything that we're describing right now because i'm sure they've gone down all those paths and it's obviously not working so it's probably outside of those which is so sad because it sounds like the children of Missy and Brandon are just like suffering the consequences. Oh, yeah. Like it's not bad enough that their mother got murdered, but apparently people would like write to them on Facebook, nasty grams and say like, well, your dad killed your yeah. mom and this, that, the third, which is why it's so important to us to say, okay, innocent till proven guilty. Right. We don't know who did it. It's probably none of these people that we've discussed as much as I would like it to be Bobby Henry. I know, you are, you are on that train. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so important to put that out there, but it's so vexing and you can totally understand why people want it to be somebody, anybody, yeah. just to have an answer. Yeah, exactly. So this is definitely an interesting one. If you guys have any theories, you have any thoughts, we would love to hear them. You know, please post on our Instagram, email us. Um, and we can't wait to, you know, see what, see what you have to say. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening.